Hi and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. My name's Richard Byram and joining me on the line again this week, fresh from the Wembley successes, Peter Smith. Peter's the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer and also contributes articles to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. And a great weekend for yourself, Pete, and Leeds Rhinos and all connected with the club. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, at the start of the season, I don't think too many people um, associated with the Rhinos thought they'd be winning a trophy this year, but they've done it. One of only uh, two major trophies to be won this season, three if you count the League Leader Shield. So um, it counts as a successful year for the Rhinos. I think the pressure's off now. They really want to get into the playoffs, the top four, but I think even if they don't, they can be satisfied with um, with a decent year in tough circumstances and um, a lot of reasons for Leeds to win last weekend for Rob Burrow um, for people like Luke Gale who haven't won a major trophy in a, in a long career um, Adam Cuthbertson who's leaving Leeds at the end of the season to go to York uh, a lot of very good stories in there as well Richie Myler's sort of renaissance as a as a fullback, which has been absolutely incredible this season. Never played there before. Okay. Um, the first choice fullback gets injured and and Richie Myler slots in there and, and wins a Lance Todd trophy. Um, amazing stuff. Interesting occasion. I was lucky enough to be in the in the stadium along with it's difficult to estimate how many. I've I've tried to get an exact figure but nobody's been able to come up with one but it was probably around about 200 people in the entire stadium. That's including players um, and club staff and media and, and the BBC and, and some stewards. So in a 90,000-seater venue, very strange. And the ironic thing was, often Challenge Cup finals aren't particularly exciting or don't don't really grab the imagination but this one did it it could have gone either way right until the final seconds I thought it was a compelling encounter I know the coaches have said well it wasn't a great game but for a neutral it must have been a thrilling watch and it was certainly very tense in the uh, in the last five minutes once once Leeds had, had grabbed the lead through Luke Gale's shot goal um, viewing figures very good on the BBC so I think all in all, particularly for Leeds, obviously, but Salford did themselves credit. All in all, a, a good day for rugby league. Yeah, definitely. Um, when we wrapped the programme up last week, we talked about how uh, vital it was for the sport and the game in capital letters for it to be a good final. And I thought it was a great match. And other people I've spoken to who don't support Leeds or Salford, like myself, all thought it was a great spectacle. Um, I think... One of the things that was really noticeable and maybe came to a wider audience, people not used to seeing it on Sky, was this breathless rugby that we've been getting this season where there's very little breaks and it's just just hammer and tongs, almost like uh, basketball, as we've said in the past. You know, one team attacking, the other team hitting straight back, and bash, bash, as you say. The results are the outcome in doubt until the very last minute. It looked like it was going to be another golden pointer at one bit till Luke Gale intervened and again showed the man for the job at the crucial time and you know I really enjoyed it I thought Salford really when they scored to take the lead for the first time and, and given how they'd gone in the previous rounds with their record of not losing the lead once they got in front I'd have certainly fancied them at that stage and uh, 
a bit unlucky with that call against Pauli Pauli. And then, you know, from there, Leeds took their chance and, and, and saw the game out. But I, I really enjoyed it. And again, as we've said many times, it was just a shame there weren't more than 200 people there actually in the stadium uh, to enjoy it as well. But I think a, a good advert for the game, a good advert for the two clubs. Uh, you know, I think Salford will have picked up some new admirers from their efforts there on the back of getting into the grand final last year. And again, as we've said a few times, that's the kind of level that the tight likes of Cass and Hulk KR and Wakey, uh, you know, can all try and aim for. You know, if Salford can get to Wembley, then those clubs certainly can. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it and I was pleased. That, again, a friend of mine living in London got in touch saying, what on earth were they playing it at Wembley for? And I said, well, you know, it helps to keep the integrity of the competition and the spectacle and gives people something to remember. And I think, uh, although there wasn't a crowd, you know, it will go down as one of the better finals of recent years. Yeah, on, on that subject, it's interesting that the Super League have set up a working party to look at finding a new venue for the for the sorry the grand final this right. season which obviously has been played at Old Trafford every year since 98 when it when it started when we went back to playoffs deciding the, the title um, man you were away on the day of the grand final which is 28th of, of November but they have got Champions League games or European games either side either Wednesday yeah sorry on the Wednesday either side of the um, the grand final and their groundsman want a week apparently to prepare the stadium so that's a snag also I would imagine the cost of staging it at Old Trafford behind closed doors which I think we're all going to have to accept is going to happen would be prohibitive now you'd maybe say the same thing about Wembley but according to the RFL they got a very good deal to stage the final there and I think the prestige of the Challenge Cup, a lot of it depends on it being played at Wembley. Yes. Um, obviously, it gets terrestrial TV coverage on the BBC. It's something players dream of, of taking part in. And I think it would have been very harsh to, to tell the players of Leeds and Salford that they weren't going to be able to play at, at Wembley this year. And, it, of course, it was very tough, particularly for the Salford fans who who couldn't get to attend, although walking around the stadium on um, on Saturday afternoon, both before and after the game, there were quite a lot of Salford fans milling about, which oh, was, um, <laughs> thought, yeah, which, which was a, a good effort yeah. from, them, um, from them, really. Um, but I don't think it's the same at Old Trafford. I'm not sure if, if players grow up dreaming of playing at Old Trafford. Maybe, maybe some do, and it's a fantastic venue. I, I would really want to see it continue as the, the grand final venue in the future. But I think in these circumstances, in this in this disrupted season, it makes perfect sense to me to play it somewhere else. Um, I don't think the grand final needs to be played at Old Trafford. I've heard a few venues mentioned, one of them being Headingley. Um, yeah. problem with that is you couldn't play it there if Leeds were in it. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be fair. Um, Leeds are still in with a chance of qualifying for the top four. It's going to be tough for them. They've got Saints this week and that would be very difficult to win. Um, six days after Wembley, I would imagine at the time we're talking, 
Richard Agar's not named his squad, but I would imagine there will be some changes. I don't think Leeds will, will be fielding their fullest, their first choice lineup in that. They'll go strong, I would imagine, but not as strong as they could do. And then they've got, um, I think it's six games in 20 days after that. So it's going to be tough for them to um, to get into the, the top four. And I suspect if they don't, then Headingley will be considered. Um, if Leeds lose a couple of games quickly, maybe they might be out of it before um, a decision has to be made. But other venues are talking about possibly Huddersfield, although Huddersfield Town have a home game that afternoon. I think St Helens has also been mentioned, um, but there's a, they're clearly going to be in the, the semi-finals and there's a very good chance they'll be in the final. So I'm not sure that's that's going to be practical. So it'll be very interesting to see what they come up with as, as a solution to that. But I do think... It's. I think it's the right thing to do not to play it at Old Trafford this year without a crowd. I can't see what Super League would gain from from continuing at Old Trafford, um, a huge stadium with nobody um, nobody in there watching. And I say I think it's a different situation to the Challenge Cup. People will say, "Well, why did they play that at Wembley?" I think that was the right thing to do, and I think not playing it at Old, at Old Trafford will also be the right thing to do so it's going to be very interesting to see what they uh, they come up with as a solution for that yeah we wondered if um with the I say we people i was chatting with about it whether with using Wembley it won't be Bellevue, it, it won't be Bellevue Rich I, no I, <laughs> no I think we'll, sure. I won't need to hang around in my wakey shirt down there I don't think no but <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, with regard to Wembley we wondered you know if, if maybe they had struck a deal with the owners of the ground the RFL because obviously there should have been a final played in July that didn't happen so we wondered if maybe the rugby league had a credit as it were with the uh, with the owners of the ground uh, to play the final there and and rightly so that you know the final should have been played there it is like rugby league's equivalent of the FA Cup final whatever example you want to cite and it was right it was it was played in its proper home I'd agree with you with regard to the grand final. It seems pointless um, trying to force it to, in any way to be played at Old Trafford if it's not possible this year and keep that goodwill with Manchester United for future years. But um, one other place perhaps might, might be Hull, uh, the KCOM Stadium, if Hull FC didn't get into the playoffs. That's well, that, a... Yeah, I have, I, have, I have, sorry, I have heard KCOM mentioned as a possible candidate as well, yeah. 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 Although, although it's not been staging matches behind closed doors, they played a home game at the weekend against Cass, but it's, it's not been used for the, the double headers. Um, so that, I don't know whether there's a, a particular reason for that. You'd think they'd probably look at one of the venues they've already been using. Yeah. But, um, but Hull's obviously been staging football matches successfully behind closed doors. As far as I know, there weren't any problems at the Castleford game last week. So that, that would be a, a contender as well. Yeah, and given your track record during the lockdown, Peter, it'd probably be Warrington anyway. <laughs> at the last yeah. minute. <laughs> but, uh, Most of the last two months driving to, <laughs> to St Helens or, or Warrington. Back there again uh, on Friday for, for Leeds Saints. And then um, next week, I think we mentioned this last week, that the whole Derby and Leeds... Wakey both been played at Saints, which 
um, doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me. But um, no, it's just one of those things you have to have to get on with. It's obviously it's not inconveniencing any fans, but it's it's not ideal for the for the players having to traipse over over there. But that's uh, that's a side issue. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that issue with the grand final venue, and I'm sure once they decide where the game will be played. Um, we'll talk about it in more depth, hopefully from our point of view locally, that Leeds can get there again, and who's to say they won't, uh, given their record in previous years, and particularly in knockout games. Uh, but we'll come back to that in the future. You mentioned there um, seeing Castleford, uh, another heavy defeat for them last weekend, Peter, against Hull, and obviously Wakefield lost as well again. Both those clubs seem to be in a, a spiral that they just can't break out of at the moment. They both don't seem to have any answers on the field, um, regardless of which teams they put out, uh, whichever way the coaches go, whatever said before the game, it just seems to end in yet another defeat. And uh, just wonder, you know, Casson have got Hull KR this weekend, Huddersfield, oh, sorry, on Thursday, and Huddersfield, Wakefield. So you'd fancy really that, as good a chance as any between now and the end of the season for the sides to break the ducks in those games. Well, there's no reason why not. I think Castle beat Hull KR. As you say, Castle's probably just seem to have forgotten how to win. How to win games. Confidence appears to be low. Um, and they just, they tend to drop away alarmingly in, in games. I mean, they've, they've had some good leads at times and, and blown them. It's, it's, Difficult to really pinpoint what the problem there is. They've obviously had a lot of lot of issues with COVID, with injuries and player availability and and that sort of thing, which has has clearly had a had a bearing on them. Um, but they're a better team than their recent results suggest. And Wakefield just can't can't seem to buy a win, can they? They they played some good stuff in in little patches. I mean, they were great against St Helens at Headingley a couple of weeks ago, um, and I thought unlucky to lose at twenty points to sixteen, having been twelve nil up. But last week they they went over to Warrington and played Saints again and got absolutely thumped. I think it was forty eight six. So it's just that inconsistency. You just don't know what you're going to get from from Wakefield. But whether they play well or whether they they don't at the moment, they, they're not quite able to get um, to get a win. They've had problems as well with COVID and with injuries. They are starting to get some players back, and if they play well, they've every chance of, of picking up some wins before the end of the season. But they just look quite a dispirited side at the moment. And like you say, they've they've forgotten how to win as well. It's it's a sad situation for both clubs that they. Revive the um, saving grace. Obviously, is that there's no relegation yes. this year, so that's some of the pressure off. And I'm sure both coaches are thinking about next year now. But um, you want to go into an, an off season in in confident mood, and to do that, they need to to pick up some wins and and just really get their um, get the wheels rolling again. Because both teams have, have played some good stuff at times, but not been able to do it consistently and like Cass I think Wakefield are a better team than than their results suggest um, the coach Chris Chester's 
sort of accused some of his players of, of letting the side down, which is a worrying sign, I think. Um, but obviously, there's, there's not a lot I can do about the squad at the moment. I, he's got um, some young players in in his initial 21 for this weekend, and I think he'll be looking at trying to give some youngsters a go and blood them and see what they can do. And it's the same for Darrell Powell. I think both clubs need to to rely on um, or need to have a strong base of young local kids coming through the academy and, and it's a good opportunity to give them a go and I'll be very interested to see how they get on if they get an opportunity between now and the end of the season Yeah, I mean it, as you mentioned, Daryl Powell and Chris Chester, we've seen both men are going to be there for the foreseeable future That neither club has suggested in any way that their jobs are under threat during these dismal runs so you'd expect that they will be or, as you say, planning for next season, looking at which players they can bring in, looking at those who may be underperformed this year for whatever reason, see if they can move a few of those out. Obviously, Castleford have, in particular seem to have been hit by uh, lack of first-choice players in in their correct positions. And now Wakey obviously have had issues with COVID and have a smaller squad than most clubs anyway in terms of spending on the salary cap and so on. Uh, sometimes you just wonder maybe if 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 coaches have stayed there uh, long enough. You know, I know a few years ago when Brian McLennan left Leeds Rhinos after a successful spell in charge, and I think he told you at the time that uh, you know players have heard enough from an individual coach after maybe four or five years, and it's time to move on and take their ideas somewhere else and let the players hear some fresh ideas and a fresh voice from somewhere else and at the time I found that a bit of a strange thing to say but having another 10 years on on my back and having seen uh, more of of professional sport uh, through my job at the YEP and YP I think that Brian was right and that uh, you know after a certain period of time I think all parties probably get fed up of each other and uh, maybe you know time to take a break or move on somewhere else and give someone else a chance at, at the clubs uh, but as I say at this stage there doesn't seem to be any indication of that happening at either club and so uh, the players have got to start working for the coaches Well I, I think it's the players responsibility obviously coaches are the ones that, that carry the can but um, players have to go out there and, and perform and in both cases, they're not doing that at the moment. What the reason is for that, we'll have to. Um, everyone will have an opinion. Um, yeah, I agree that, that at some stage, coaches do do reach a point where they've probably been at a club too long. I and mean, Daryl's, I think, seven to twenty thirteen, he arrived at Castleford, but he clearly believes he can win something. At Tigers, I think Tigers management have full faith in him, and he signed a long-term deal, sort of not much more than a year ago. So I don't think Darrell will be going anywhere. It's interesting that um, Danny Orr, his assistant, announced he's leaving at the end of the season. We don't know where he's going yet, or if he has anything lined up. Um, but Danny, I suspect, he's getting to the stage where he wants to be a, a head coach, and he's probably moving on to look for that. Opportunity. I think he's somebody who's got um, got a good good future in in coaching. He's highly regarded with by people who've 
worked with him. So it'll be interesting to see where where he goes. And obviously there are changes in the backroom staff at Wakey as well with um, with Lee Gilmore leaving and um, Willie Poaching returning to yes. the club, which I think is a good I think it's a good appointment. He's very popular with the Wakey fans, still lives in Wakefield, um, played for them, um, was a, a, a big fan's favourite when he when he did and worked with some good coaches and, and uh, very experienced as an assistant coach. So I think he'll, he'll certainly have a, a good input at Wakefield next season. Um, I like Daryl and I like Chris and I, I hope that um, that both of them stay in their role. Yeah, I mean, you deal with them on a regular basis, Peter. As I say, I've, I've had dealings with Chris and he seems a good guy and Daryl has always been helpful in his roles at Leeds or in Rugby Union or Cass, wherever he's been. And you don't want to see coaches losing their jobs. And I think probably this year as well, everybody probably gets a bit of a free pass in that I think everybody's just glad that we can get to the end of the season in, in one piece. I know we lost Toronto, but if all the clubs can get through to the end of the season, draw breath in the close season and hopefully come back next year uh, with stronger squads and maybe you know some form of crowds getting back in to, to support the team and get some finance back into the game. Um, again, at the moment, that doesn't seem very likely. I think you were right earlier when you said the grand final were behind closed doors. I'm sure it will be. Um, things don't seem to be getting any better in general, so I think that's how it will have to be this time. And then hopefully next year, uh, brighter things ahead. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, who will be in charge of the clubs. Like I say I don't think many clubs will be out in a position where they can afford to be getting rid of coaches, especially if they're looking to sign players too. So yeah. we'll have to wait and see again. Something we'll probably discuss at length later. But I think for now, Peter, um, we'll leave it there. As I say, a, a great win for the Rhinos and great for the game. The Challenge Cup final went ahead. Hard lines to Salford and a good tribute to Rob Burrow too. And I see that a decent amount of money is being raised for Rob uh, through the Just Giving site. I think fans were asked they could donate money during the game, could they? And yeah, there was a text um, a text number people could text, which is on our website if, if you want to do that. Um, one text and you can donate £7 to the Motor Neuron Disease um, Association. And so far, well, up to uh, midnight on Sunday, which was last time we got figures, it had raised £26,000 um, which I think is a is a really good effort, and the MND Association say that um, they've generated an additional thirty thousand pounds in donations and and that sort of thing through their website, which have um, have coincided with the publicity that that Rob's plights had over the last couple of weeks. So um, so it's great to see people getting behind Rob and getting behind um, the motor neuron disease. Association, it's a horrible condition, a horrible illness. Um, it's not particularly well known or understood, and and um, a lot of research needs to be done to 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 help treat people that suffer from from this condition and, and to eventually find a find a cure. So, um, if you can donate, please give it uh, give it some thought. 
it's a, a very worthwhile cause. Yes, I'd certainly echo all that. Um, I know a couple of people down the years who've died of motor neurone disease and it wasn't something I was particularly familiar with. I think probably the most famous person was Don Revy, wasn't it? The Leeds United manager sadly uh, died of motor neurone disease long long before his time as well, um, back in the late 80s. But the, the one positive, if I can say that, about uh, Rob's condition and the situation he finds himself in is there has been a, a great deal of publicity about motor neurone disease and fundraising and raising awareness, and I'm certainly a lot more aware of it and how it affects people and their families now. And if there's one positive we can draw from the whole situation, and I'm sure Rob would probably agree, that is it, that people do know a lot more and hopefully money being raised can help people in this terrible situation in the future. Mm, absolutely. Okay, Peter, well, I think we'll leave it there for this week. A, a great week for the Rhinos, as we said before. And uh, back to league business now and heading towards the Super League playoffs and see if Leeds can get in there as well. Maybe waking Cass pick up a win as well this week. So we'll leave it for now. Thank Peter for his time and comments. Just a general reminder that the very latest news, sport, rugby league and so on, COVID can be found at the Yorkshire Evening Post website, yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk. The latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter feed at PetersmithYEP and the Yorkshire Evening Post sports desk's own YEP uh, excuse me, Twitter handle at YEP Sports Desk plus my own at Richard Byron YEP. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch up with you soon.